love him and to glorify him and um, to really fellowship and uh, to share what he has played on my heart with you. I tend to try to stick to what I have written for very good reasons, just as an act of grace towards you all. Because if you do not give me a very set framework in which to speak from, yeah, rather than being maybe about half an hour, uh, probably will keep you there for about two hours. Right, so if you see me seem to be focusing in on what I'm saying, it is not only to sort of keep within the structure and within what um, you know I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you, but to ensure that I don't get to go off at a tangent and then find myself <laughs> instead of taking you the shortest way from here from one your location to its destination, you end up giving you right, yeah, a very it's long-winded tour, so, right, <laughs> just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, so, I just want to um, perhaps start by asking you something about watch night. Um, I'm sure all of us are familiar with watch night. Watch night is usually marked or celebrated on 31st of December, the last night of the year, and... Um, throw it out. Where did that watch night service start? Because my local Anglican church and the Roman Catholic church, they will have midnight Christmas mass. They will have a Christmas mass. And, but it's always very noticeable and apparent that they don't have a watch night service. And I thought, let me have a look into this. Um, because I had been going to watch night services from when I was a toddler with my grandmother and my mom and other relatives. But I used to be curious, why is it that um, certain of the more established churches um, in the UK and across Europe, Roman Catholic Church, didn't seem to mark the watch night as they did um, Christmas? And realized that um, it came from another denomination, um, which was a breakaway from the Anglican, which was the Methodists. The Methodists were the ones who actually started actually holding watch night services um, in the 18th century. But interesting, it was then adopted um, by the African-American slaves, and um, for very good reason. And because in, on, December, on December the 6th, in 1862, the then President Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation of emancipation, and the slaves would gather because the only place they were allowed to gather with some autonomy was in the church. And so they would gather on the 31st of December for a time to actually mark the emancipation, but also to reflect on the journey from the time they were brought to the Americas as slaves, but also to reflect back on the last 12 months, how God has really been, you know, so kind, right, and gracious to them. And so that was what and where, why, why what night, watch night was actually enshrined in certain church orders. Now, you know, I'm not going to let this one slip, but 
How is Watch Night celebrated in Jamaica? Well, yes, there's a spiritual side, right? Where everyone goes to church until midnight, yeah? Give God thanks. But then, right, always take it to another level. <laughs> it then means that <laughs> the whole, if you're, if you're from the, the, um, the city, the capital, right? Everything just seems to just come alive and it's now time to really rave and jam right back until, right, you know, six, seven o'clock or even later in the morning, if you like some of my sort of relatives in Jamaica. So always take it to another level or take it to another direction, right? So I just thought I would share that with you. But today's message, a new year. It's a new road for a new year. So let us, if we can... Um, look at the passage in, in a passage in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 to 6. Arise. Yeah, we're reading from the New King James Version. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dormitories of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. So that was a message, you know. This was, a, as you know, if you know anything about the background of the time when children were in captivity, and all they could see around was doom and gloom. But there it was a message, you know, a message of promise from God through the prophet Isaiah. But it wasn't just for the Jews, it was also for the Gentiles. Very much, you could say, a message of the gospel, right, which is for all nations. So before we get on to our message, let me just say a word of prayer, you know, give God thanks, and then we will then go on. Lord, just give you thanks for another year, another, you know, another time. So much has gone on, Lord. So much that's perplexing. So much that's been heart-rendering. So much that's been distressing. So much that's fearful. But yet, Lord, you have remained faithful. The fact that we're here today, it's an expression of your grace. There are many that would not have woken up this morning. We know that 300,000 people passed out of this life every day so if it wasn't for your grace for your goodness for your mercy we would not be here Lord and for this Lord we give you thanks we know also Lord that even as we gather here in Lewisham on the 2nd of January that there are many others around the world around the globe who do not have this liberty but yet, Lord, we know that you are mindful, that you care for them. And I pray today, Lord, that they will find peace and assurance that you have not abandoned them. You will still sustain them. 
through all their trials, through all their tribulation, through all the persecution. And so, Lord, I just pray that whatever is shared today, whatever you've placed in my heart, whatever goes forth, it will bring glory and honor to your name and will inspire, will encourage everyone that's here, as I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. A new year always brings a sense of hope, doesn't it? The previous year, with all its tragedies, problems, disappointments, failures, and sadness, is now behind us. And a clean slate laid ahead. I'm sure some of you have already, you know, have your resolution for this year. Yeah, whatever that might be, right? One of the most popular ones was about actually uh, maybe either getting more healthier or, you know, refining your nutritional habits, etc. And as Pastor Ephraim mentioned earlier, right, are we going to fasting, right? Not only does it give us that time, right, to perhaps purge ourselves, but also time to really focus more on God and what is goodness and what is purpose in our lives. But for some of us, it's a case of, can I sustain this? Can I, throughout the rest of the year, sustain these changes? But if we are really sort of um, realistic and true, right, the vast majority of, of us will give up even before the month of January is over, right? But as we look ahead, you know, the new year, Eve, is symbolized by this old man, with the sickle, I'm beginning to feel like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and also, on the other hand, by a new baby. And what that symbolizes that the whole has passed away. The new has come. And we all have different ways of marking or celebrating the new year. Yet beneath the joy and laughter, there's a troubling feeling, a sense of deja vu. It's all kind of, in some sense, the same. Nothing really has kind of changed. If anything, the passing of another Christmas season with its glitter and carols is generally followed by a time of gloom and increasing anxieties, right? Increasing um, bills to pay because in January, as if you like my household and in like me, suddenly those bills come rushing in right? The prices are increased, etc., right? And that was, oh my goodness, how are we going to manage um, finance, right? Right. So it can sometimes leave us feeling very fearful, leaving somewhat empty, somewhat kind of inadequate, right? A sense of maybe in some cases, right? Uh, you know, growing uncertainty creeps in, you know? And that's one of the things we as humans struggle with, uncertainty, right? And that's what Quite often the new year brings what lies ahead, what awaits us, right? Yeah. Will it be better than last year? Will it be worse? Right? Or something else? So these things troubles our mind, you know, as we go through. You know? And for sure there has been plenty in the news to make everyone feel depressed, right? Or, you know, discouraged. One commentator recently wrote in a newspaper, and this was, you know, just quote, reality seems to crush hope at every turn. The COVID pandemic, the growing refugee crisis, the crushing economic disparities in our country, 
the evil scourge of social injustice, the growing concerns about climate change, homelessness in our backyard. And I was just sharing earlier with um, another fellowship about homelessness. Um, back in 1979, which I presume none of you weren't already yet. <laughs> yes, right. But back in when I was a young man, <laughs> and I recall hearing on the news that there was approximately 700 people in London, London, that were registered as homeless. And, you know, the authorities were concerned. 700 people homeless. That, those were registered homeless. And that was seen as a major crisis. Well, now, Sister Harriet, Elder B will tell you, if we only had 700 <laughs> in Lewisham, <laughs> we'd say, thank God, we are doing well. Now, you know, just a registered number of homeless people alone, right? Yeah, it's far more, right, than we would really care to think about because it's just so many more that are unregistered as well, you know? So just to put that into perspective, yeah, in that time, we've seen... Right? Yeah? A real growth in wealth in this country. So it raises questions, you know, in terms of the whole concept of what God determined should be equity, equality, and care for others. That here we have, you know, um, a growth in wealth. You know, certain people are growing wealthier, but yet at the same time, there are those who are living in abject poverty don't even have the basics in life. So that is a real challenge for us as a society, as a community, as a country, right? Yep. So, and that is not, as I said, something that's happening out there. It's something right on our doorsteps. We can see it. You just go into the center of Lewisham on any shopping day, on any evening, and you will see it. Like going to where my hometown, Brixton, you see very much a similar thing. We're also aware of there's been a rise in child abuse. Right? Growth in gender-based violence. The increase in mental health concerns. And I knew that when we as a fellowship started um, meeting or, or started meeting on the prayer line, and this was um, just at the time before the first lockdown, um, one of the things I recall that we were praying for, or praying about, was the fact that we anticipate that there would be an exponential growth of people with mental health concerns. And not being fatalistic, but here we are today. And again, like homelessness, which are closely linked to mental health disorder in, in many ways, right? right? It's really distressing to think about the number of people that are in various degrees suffering from mental health disorders, right? I'm sure everyone of us knows someone somewhere or it's seen it on this road or seen it on our streets, right? And this number has gone up, right? And we do not have the professional capacity at this moment to even address it. We're so focused on dealing with COVID, right? That our men, men, medical Rights, provision, and resources are stressed beyond our capacity. So this is another major 
social concern. And then we also have related plague of substance misuse. Again, just look around in our streets, right? Sorry, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but, right, right? We are called to be light and salt, right? And being light and salt means very cognizant, being very sensitive to all these needs and concerns around us. We can't just kind of, um, you know, hold our heads in the clouds or have some kind of, um, you know, um, blinkered view and not kind of faced yet. We as, right, servants of the Most High, right, Christ representative, right, are called to be sensitive and concerned about these things, right? And, uh, you know, in, in, in a spiritual, in a practical way, in an emotional way, in a human, humane way, just as our Lord and Master was. Right? So, yes, these things are happening today. Right? And of course, right, I know many of us here who work with children, work with young people, either as teachers, youth workers, or other related professionals, right? We've seen surge of knife crime. Young people, right, taking the lives of other young people. Right? You know? Um, and I've seen that change Right? In a generation. Right? And that has been so distressing. So disheartening. To see that even where I'm speaking to some of my peers from my generation. And we are still baffled by it. But yet, we were given some warnings and we didn't take heed. Right? Just as we read in our Bible, time and time again, before God actually passed judgment... Right? He gave warnings. He gave, through his mercy, he actually gave people opportunity to repent, to turn from our wicked ways. But they refused, became deaf to God's word. And so, even in our time, in our society, we have also, in many ways, right? For my generation, right? To have, you know, more or less not address what we saw was, right, the coming storm. And just share quickly about young people, youth crime. I recall back in 1975, right, yeah, where Muhammad Ali, just after he regained the world title, by that time now he was the most famous living person on the planet. And he was in an audience with quite a number of well-known British celebrity, and he said to them, I haven't come to talk about boxing or sports or to entertain you, or come to talk to what is happening in America, right? And he said to the audience, very, very forthright and explicit, he said, if you do not invest in your young people, you're going to face the same problems that's happening in America at the time, right? And he says, right, because what America do today, the rest of you will do tomorrow, Right? And then he drew a reference to what had happened in the weekend in Detroit, where he said, over that weekend, 15 young men had lost their lives. And it started off with two having a dispute over a female. It then escalated that by the time the authorities intervened, 15 of them were dead. He says, you'll be faced with similar things if you don't really invest in your youth. And they said, what do you mean invest? After all, there's this he said he says he's not just talking about finance. He says, Are you spiritually invested in your young people? Right? Are you investing time in your young people? 
right? Instead of you always going down there, spending hours in the shop, how many times are you spending with your children and your young people, right? But we didn't pay heed, so we're, in some sense, reaping the costs of that neglect. So we have some responsibility, right, for what we see happening on the street, right, with our young people today. Many of us, right, yeah, are feeling personal pains and anxiety this new year. Some of us are wrestling with important decisions regarding a primary relationship or a task to be done. There's something that needs to happen, something we need to do, right? That is crucial, very important, you know, and have knock-on effect and other things. Some of us know firsthand the personal, if the potent effects of a disabling disease, some illness that's troubling us, right? Some of us have other related health issues that is ongoing and is troubling, right? And we don't seem to see any end in sight. Some of us have had to deal with, deal recently with a major loss. Some wonder if we can make it in the coming year without the presence of one who meant so much to us. And I know online and here in person, right, that many of us have lost close friends, relatives, right, and, you know, former colleagues, etc. I'm sure there's not a life, there's a person here today that hasn't, whose life hasn't been touched by the passing of someone over the last 12 months. When I look back, last two years, it's been a very, very, right, distressing time in terms of the number of friends, relatives, even here within our church family, right, that have lost loved ones. And some of us are still dealing with their emotions, dealing with the pain, the hurt, the sense of loss. And you can't just put any time facing it. I recall when I was um, at another fellowship back in the early 90s, and there was a young man. I'd lost his mom. And most of us in the church felt six months down, he was still bringing up you know, the issue about his mom passing. And I think some of us, out of ignorance, right, said to him, I think you should just move on by now. You should have moved on by now. That was a general response. And it was sent out of a good intention. But it wasn't when, until I lost my mom that I could fully empathize with that young man. No one could come and say to me, oh, no, you know, Andrew, you should just really... Right? Get over it. It doesn't look quite look like that. We were not designed like that. That's not how we're designed psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. Right? God alone knows how each one of us will manage it. Manage that sense of loss, that sense of grief. I remember that I saw a colleague who was at the time who held a very, very senior position in um, you know, government and um, says, okay. And I said, oh yeah, I just lost my mom. And there she was, she says, wow, you know, my empathy, my condolences, etc." And then she said to me, it took her the best part of 10 years to get over the loss of her father. So, you know, God, through his grace, gives us the time to grieve 
and each one grieve at their own pace and in their own time scale. There's not a set time that you can then impose on everyone else. It doesn't quite work like that. So if you're grieving, grieve. But what I can say to you is, there's someone who will be there with you, will be willing to be there with you every step of the way. For he said he is touched by infirmities. And I only came to understand that. Understand that, what that mean? To the passing of our dear sister, Sister Fiona. Because I've never shared it with anyone else. The last two years, all the deaths, and even the passing of my parent, that death touched me, her dying and her death touched me more than perhaps any other previously. And I couldn't quite comprehend what it was until I was reading in Hebrew where it says, right, that we have a high priest that is touched by infirmities. Hmm, right, okay. And then I felt the Lord had actually given me an insight what it means. And it was this, that when our sister Fiona, right, first had that diagnosis, she shared with me, right, how it actually possibly started. And then many of us, I know, she shared, right, the ongoing health challenges relating to her diagnosis. And many of us read it, prayed about it, came concerned, became involved in a sense, in an emotional and spiritual way, right? And then when she died, and we couldn't attend the funeral because of the restriction, but actually viewing it online, right, and watching it. And I broke down, and I said, but I never did this at my mom's funeral. I never did that at my dad's funeral. I didn't do it at my sister's funeral. I didn't do it, but what was it? Until I suddenly realized that, yes, because through that process of going through the pain of dying, it actually touched my heart in a way. So even just actually sharing that insight of somebody or sharing their experience or sharing some of the emotions of somebody going through death, going through dying, the Lord can actually bless us. The Lord can actually speak to our heart. He can also speak about himself. And that is where Jesus is at with all of us. That even when we're going through our pain, our hurt, that we can't comprehend, we can't see the end due to our human limitation. He is there with us step by step. And in that way, he's showing how much he cares, he loves, and he's touched by every aspect of our pain and our grief. And therefore, when you read that, you can take comfort and assurance that he is truly not just the high priest that reigns supreme, but he's the high priest that is willing to reign in our hearts and in our lives to uphold us through the hurt and the pain and the grief, whatever they are, wherever they come from, whatever might have caused them. Some of us are feeling lonely in spite of people all around us. And just to give you an example, I had a great uncle who lived to be 119, died in 2020 in Jamaica. 
But I remembered I saw him last in about nine, when he was 90. And he said to me, it is a very, very, I mean, can you believe he lived another 29 years? He said, it's a very lonely journey. And I thought, mm, I didn't understand what he meant fully. He says, very lonely, right? But then in his own way, he said, right, when your wife is gone, when all your friends have gone, when all the people that you had actually, you know, more or less, yeah, grown up with and had traveled with and journeyed with are no longer around, life becomes very lonely. But he says, at least he knows there's one that is always there with him. Yeah, that's the Lord himself. So, yes, we can be surrounded by people. We can be still even interacting with people, but yet within our heart, within our humanity, within our being, we're still struggling with loneliness. Some of us are fearful what the future may hold. Some wonder if dreams will ever be realized or whether the new year will be even more frustrating and filled with feelings of futility than the last. Many of us are feeling pain or anxiety this new year. When we feel this way, the temptation may be to stay with the familiar and the comfortable, to metaphorically crawl back into bed and pull up the covers, right? try to shut the world outside. But Christ's birth, with its emphasis on a light shining in the darkness, brings us new hope. Christ coming into the world should remind us that there are new roads ahead. New roads that will take us if we choose to let them into new adventures, new challenges, new opportunities to be the person God wants us to be. But Christ's birth reminds us that life continues even as one year ends and another begins. The Magi, or otherwise known as the wise men, who brought the gifts to the Christ child, illustrate, right, this momentum, this movement forward. But first, a few words about who these Magi were. I know you've heard, you know, Christmas and the New Year, but can the Word of God remains and the truth from the Word of God still is relevant every day. So the Magi, the wise men, they probably were astrologers, according to our present day definition, either from Iran or Iraq. They believed that human destiny was written in the stars and thought, and though they were learned men, learned men of their day, yeah, they would consider that many of the ideas that they held, we would say that they are superstitious. That would be superstition to have any idea of astrologies. Yet I'm confident that even though you would actually understand them to be astrologers and only reading the star and it's related to superstition, I'm confident that if I asked all of you or many of you here and online, do you know your astrological sign? I can almost be certain that 90% or more of you will raise your hand. But anyway, I'm not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> so, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah. So, this is the background. This is the, this, this is, these were the kind of um, expertise or uh, 
you know, associated with the Magi, the wise men. But the wise men, right, like us, agreed on one thing. That they believed that human events were influenced behind a power in this world. The wise men from the East are inquisitive. They're adventurous, obedient to their calling, and seek no honor for themselves. They didn't take the journey to honor themselves, right? They humble themselves before the Christ child and offer sacrificial gifts of great value. In short, they fit the image of servants more than royalty or those with superior wisdom and therefore are exemplary role models for us. So even though they came from very privileged background, right, they're very acts of seeking Christ. And when they found Christ, honored him by worshiping him, that in itself was a mark of humility and a mark of servanthood, a lesson there for us. But in terms of today's message, it's what they do at the end of the story that is of particular focus this morning or this afternoon. Matthew, book of Matthew says that they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. And in the Bible we know that dreams are important channel in which God communicates to people. And he still communicates through dreams and through revelations. But he primarily communicates to us through his word. Yet we know that God is still speaking. And it's the same God that spoke to the wise men, the same God that speaks to us today. The Magi, the wise men, after they had offered their gifts, realized the danger in returning to Herod and leave. Yeah, they were warned and leave to their own country by another road. They don't hang around to bask in the beauty of the Christ child. They don't stay where it is comfortable and secure. They set out from there by another road, a new road, a different road than the one they had been traveling upon. They move on in their journey of life. And so must we. We must continue to be moving on. Right? Yeah, where God is directing us. For us, the manger is only one stopping place on our journey of faith. And while the peacefulness of the manger may move us deeply, as it does, you know, most of us or all of us, you know, every Christmas, we should never stay there. The rest of Jesus' journey had to go on from the manger to the cross. And so our journey needs to continue from the manger to where God is leading us. And so as we embark on this new year, a fair question to ask, how can we move on? Isaiah tells the people of Israel to arise, shine, for your light has come. They no longer have to live in darkness and gloom, nor do we. Rise and shine, get up, begin again. There is more to come. There are new roads to travel upon in this new year. But there are also powerful forces, forces working against this directive. Apathy, lack of confidence, our physical or mental state, extreme caution or cowardice, all these serve only to hold us back. 
And worse, of, worse than any of these is fear, which often immobilizes us. As a sister reminded me yesterday, there are 365 reference to fear not in the Bible, one for each day of the year. I once heard Pastor Rob share the following story, and I'm sure some of you perhaps recall it also, right? Sometime in the early part of the 19th century, one dark winter night, a weary traveler came to the banks of the mighty Mississippi River for the first time. There was no bridge in sight, and ice covered the water so far as one could see. Could he dare cross over? Would the ice bear his weight? It was urgent he reached the other side. So finally, after much hesitation and with fear and trembling, he began cautiously creeping on his hands and knees across the surface of the ice. Yeah, you can probably remember it, Elder B. <laughs> yeah, the story. By distributing his weight in this way, he hoped to, pre to prevent the ice from cracking beneath his weight. About halfway across, he heard a noise behind him. And he turned and looked to see a man driving a horse-drawn sleigh with coal, yeah, starting to cross the river. And here he was, the traveler on his hands and knees. The man on the horse and slave, full of coal, dashed past him and out of sight across the same river of ice on which he was creeping. You and I are sometimes like that traveler, aren't we? Fear, by whatever name we call it, can prevent us from doing so much. Cautiously and fearfully we venture forth upon God's promises as though the lightness of our step might make the promises more secure. Yet at the same time, we doubt that it's true. God has promised to be with us. Believe this promise. God has promised to uphold us no matter what. Believe this promise. God has promised to grant us victory over all our spiritual enemies. Believe this promise. God has promised to grant us full and free forgiveness of our sins through and because of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Our newborn Savior. Believe this promise. Right? Don't creep upon these promises as though they were too fragile to hold you up. Stand upon them. Be confident in God, for God is good as his word. Right? And that our living, our loving Lord will deliver them Deliver them, will deliver his promises. God never reneged on his promise. God never failed in his promises, right? God is always, always, right? Yeah, true to his promises, right? This we can be assured of as we move into 2022. Maybe you've heard the expression, even if you're on the right track, you will get run over if you just sit there. It is true, right? If you just stand still, you will stagnate, right? So in this new year, let's get up and get going. Let us rise and shine, knowing that it is God's light that empowers the light within us.
Now, Rose Crawford, yeah, I'm coming, I'm winding down now. Rose Crawford was blind the first 50 years of her life. Until one day she found out that there was an operation that there was an operation that could restore her sight. And so she had the operation. You can imagine the hope and the joy in seeing light and colors and images of people for the first time. Sadly, Rose could have had this surgery 20 years earlier. She was unnecessarily blind for 20 years because she did not know about the operation and assumed she was doomed to live in darkness. Nobody told her about the sight restoring surgery. Nobody told her she no longer had to continue living in darkness. And so it is with millions of people today. They're living in spiritual darkness because nobody has told them they no longer have to live in darkness anymore. And part of giving God the glory is sharing the light of Christ's glory with others. Each of us has a new road ahead of us in the new year. It's another road, a different road than any we have traveled on before. And so as we step off down the road, not knowing what we may find, not knowing exactly where we're going, we can be comforted in knowing that for sure the light goes with us, the light that is Christ Jesus goes with us, leading us, guiding us, showing us the way. God will be with us on our journeys down the new road ahead, the new year that's before us. And even now, God is calling to each of us, whoever we are, whatever our circumstance, calling us to get up off our hands and knees, to stop creeping and rise and shine and continue on the journey, giving God our praise and sharing the good news with others along the way. God cannot fail. God cannot be defeated. God cannot be overcome. No matter what lies ahead, Right? God can sustain us. Right? Jesus said to his disciples, and he said the same to us, Fear not, for I have overcome the world. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He reigns supreme. He's sovereign. And he wants to be sovereign in your life, in my life, throughout the coming years and beyond. So rest assured, brother, be comforted. Be confident in the Lord. No matter what lies ahead, He will see us through. Amen? Let us pray. Oh Lord, we're so thankful, so grateful. Lord, we adore you for all you have done for us and for who you are. What you've done for us in the past, what you've done for us in the last 12 months. Yes, Lord. We have seen so many sadness, so much hurt, so much pain, so much distress. Some things words cannot even comprehend or explain. But yet, Lord, we can rest assured that you are still sovereign. And even in your sovereign power and divine 
authority throughout the whole universe. Yet you care for each one of us. You know the very detail of our lives. You know what lies ahead. And because you are also the God of the future, you are able to guide our path through the future. And so, Lord, as we are here now, Lord, be pleased to bless us. Be pleased to reassure us. And Lord, keep us close to you. Sometimes we grow weak. Sometimes we become skeptical. Sometimes we become doubtful. Sometimes we stray like sheep did. But Lord, I just pray that through your mercy, through your grace, you will reign us back in and keep us close to you no matter what. And so, Lord, hear the desires of our heart, hear our cry, and continue to bless and to guide us as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.